Father, we are thankful for this morning and we do cry out to you, Lord, our God, to speak into our lives, Lord, to touch, to heal, to restore, to encourage, to bring hope, Lord, to give us a vision for the future you have for each one of us as well as us as a community. We thank you for the opportunity we have to gather here and the opportunity we have to make a difference in our community and in the world. Bless our time together, Lord. Might it be rich with your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. You guys may be seated. want to get into our uh, topic today, but before we do, I want to show you a little bit of our trip to Mexico. And, and so um, if I could get someone to... Val, can you turn off the lights there? Or Gil, either one of you. We'll go through some of the, the things that took place at Mexico. We left Friday night a lot later than we thought. We wanted to leave around 6. I don't think, was it like 8 by the time we got out of there or something? 7.50. Yeah, it was was kind of late. And so um, we ended up eating tacos at about 11 o'clock there in Rosarito. They were good tacos. It was a different experience getting there. We ran into some issues. Uh, Some people had to turn back, um, but the rest of us pressed forward. Everything was okay. No one was injured during the travel time to uh, Mexico. But we got there a little bit late. We sat and ate way too much, but it was good. And so then the next morning we got up. Well, the morning started about 5.30 to get breakfast ready um, for the all of us. Basically, we made some breakfast burritos. I don't have a picture of the ladies in the kitchen at 5.30. I think they appreciate that. Um, but I do have pictures of the construction site. Again, this is the orphanage that is being built and where we did the work. This is there in the morning as you see the sun coming up. Uh, we got there, was it like 7 o'clock? Seven o'clock, we got there to, to do the work, and the work take, took place there throughout the day, as well as some of us went to the orphanage as well. Um, inside, we were mixing the plaster, even though they had a mixer. For some reason, we couldn't use it. They said they were going to use it for something else later in the day, but they never did, so we confiscated it later in the day, because it's hard mixing uh, plaster just with a shovel and water and and doing that there on the ground. But Alex and the others did that. I helped out. Mauricio's there. I don't think we have a lot of the people who were there in Mexico with us today. They're fatigued and recuperating. But some of you guys who are here, I see you. I noticed that. You guys get kudos. So that's us mixing uh, the plaster there in the building. Uh, as that was taking place, we also had Val setting tile. Um, they wanted it pretty meticulous, and he did a meticulous job. So Val was there, and Cody was there, actually kind of his sidekick, helping him throughout the day. They spent the day on their knees like that, um, putting in the tile. And then uh, Lawrence is the master plaster. You might ask, how many guys does it take to plaster a wall? Well, just one, and then three to watch. Um, But that's not true. Actually, Lawrence was showing the guys how to do it. And then Joe became his sidekick, and they did that all day. Uh, They had the sun beating down on them. It was hot, um, but they did that throughout the day. And while that was taking place, uh, 
a group of us went to the orphanage. The ladies were there, and we made lunch for the kids. We had hot dogs and chips um, and had a great time feeding the kids, had a great time having fun with the kids. I don't speak Spanish, but I make faces, and that works as well. And then I, don't, I wish you could see clearly the expression on the face And this is one of the boys getting the shoes that you guys provided for them, as well as the bag that you uh, were indeed made. And all of the kids got shoes, and they were all very excited about that. And so I have pictures of most of the kids that, again, we'll put up on Facebook showing them. Uh, here are a couple of the girls who had shoes with Kareen, uh, again, smiling in the background. Ashley was painting their nails, doing the nails for the girls, and spending some time with that. We also had the fixings, again, because of Word Indeed, where we brought the cookies and you guys uh, helped bring all the things so that they were able to decorate and eat their own cookies. We sugared them out really bad. We had candy and we had cookies and we had a good time. And they did crash later. Now here's Gabe giving a haircut to one of the little boys. Um, Gabe could do a fade and he did the buzz. This is the youngest little boy, Javier. Gabe's actually singing right here uh, to the boy. It was like a barbershop quartet without the other three guys. Uh, it was just Gabe. Um, but again, he did haircuts for the boys and it was great. It was perfect for what they needed. And then Paola went with us and she did hair for all the girls, like 15 girls. It's kind of funny because we told her, oh, we're going to an orphanage. So she's figuring these small little girls, she's going to give a little trim. But a lot of them are older girls, and they all have like this massive, long, thick hair. And she really did a great job giving each of these girls a haircut, full-on salon haircut. And so she did an amazing job, and there was a line waiting for her constantly um, with that. And here is actually uh, Sonia who we work with and talking to one of the girls and you can see her smiling. See how short the little bib is because she was expecting girls to be about that size and, and they were a lot older. You know, and while she was doing this, I know a number of the girls, Annette, Corrine and others, were just combing the girls' hair, like getting them ready for uh, Paola to do the haircut. And, you know, I would just see them and the girls are just sitting there and they're sometimes they're just kind of, smiling, talking to each other, and just getting their hair brushed. And I just have these flashes of my wife giving my daughter, you know, that kind of treatment, just brushing her hair when she's little, and you start to think that these girls don't have a mom who does that. And for this day, we got to be that for them. We got to be the people who came there and just loved them and interacted with them. We went outside. We played with them for a while. There's pictures we'll have online of this blow-up pool that we had. There's no water in it. It's just a pool that we blew up and threw some toys in there, and they were just playing around, and they had a great time. But it does strike you. I know when I was driving back home with Joe and I were talking, and Joe was at the the building most of the day. And so he came just for the last part to see the kids and it just struck him because you see these children, you're just playing, interacting with them, but then you remember they don't have a mom, they don't have a dad. And that grips you. You know, when I, I see kids and I remember my kids at that age and I thought, oh my gosh, I can see my child in them and I can imagine my kid not having us in their lives, and, and it's really difficult. It really does take a toll on you when you go down that way to think it through. 
And so thank you for everyone who contributed to be a part of this. You guys made a difference for that day in these children's life, and we're hoping it makes a difference ongoing as we continue to work with them. We hope to go down again maybe in January. And so we'll let you know as uh, things prepare for that, probably after Christmas, because they do get a lot of things uh, through the Christmas season. But after that, we want to show up again, and we want to keep showing up, helping with the, the building and just showing up with these kids in their lives, getting to know them by name. I wish... Uh, we had taken picture. Corrine actually gave me this idea. You know, if we would have had a picture with their bag and their names, we could have started to associate all the kids and their names. I know some of them, but, you know, 25, I don't remember all of them. It would be great next time to go down there and to call them out by name, you know, to just say their name. America, how are you? That's one of the girls' names is America. And, and to go there and say, how are you? And to see how it affects her that you remembered her name. You know, that someone knows my name and cares to come back and to be a part of my life. Because that's really, we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus to these children. And so that's what we're going to continue to do. Um, Again, next month also we're going to be developing our uh, program, our food program for Haiti. And so we're always going to be kind of postured to meet these needs because we believe it. it just gives us the ability to connect these people to Jesus so easily when you're a part of their lives in a helpful way. Anyway, that's where we are and that's where we're going. And today we are beginning a whole new series. We are starting a series called The Journey. And it was great to get the feedback from you guys that when we went through and finished The Tribe. I know a lot of you told me you really like that. And then I guess there was some confusion. You know, are, are we no longer a church? Are we a tribe? It was just a series, okay? It was just a title for the series. Tribe sounded a lot better than church, you know, and it really, I felt, brought the theme of what we were trying to accomplish home. But yeah, you can call us church. You know, I'm not opposed to those things, so don't panic. Um, We're not going to make you wear headdress and whatever. Anyway, but today we're going to be starting a, a series called The Journey, and this is the first part in it, and really it's the beginning. And as we look at a journey, what we're going to be talking about is how through our lives we are journeying through them. And we're going to be looking at different examples in Scripture of men and women who journeyed in their life and how God encountered them, some of them multiple times, and did various things in their lives to help redirect their lives in that journey. I know if you're like me, in my life, there has been times where I am journeying and I have more testimony as a follower of Christ, I think, than I do before I came to Christ. Where in my life, as a follower of Jesus, God would speak to me or direct me or something would happen and I would encounter God and then all of a sudden the lights would come on and I would see God's directing me in a certain way and my focus would change. Or my direction would change. Or there would be a deeper level of commitment as there had to be repentance in my life. And so God 
is always speaking and working in and through us. And so this journey is that process of where it takes place. And hopefully we can learn from the lives of those who are recorded in Scripture to see how maybe they relate to us and maybe we can learn some things ahead of time, right? So we don't have to go through the, all the things that they went through. And so we're going to be starting this, but we're going to start at the beginning because that's where we need to start. And we're going to start in Genesis chapter one and looking at creation because it's important that we recognize that the journey we are in is a part of a bigger story. There is our narrative, but there's a meta narrative, one that encompasses all of these things. G.K. Chesterton said that I always felt that life was a story. And if there is a story, then there is a storyteller. And that's what we're going to be looking at today as we talk about the beginning is realize the author of this story is God himself. And so turn to Genesis chapter one, verse one. Is it getting cold in here? Are any of you cold? Yes. Some of you shake your head. No, some of you shake. I think it's a little cold. Adelio, our air conditioner specialist, is going to adjust the temperature. Sorry for those who felt it was perfect in here. Blame Adelio. He's changing it. Um, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The reason we are starting here is because... The narrative of your journey shapes your direction. In other words, if you don't believe in God, then it is going to affect everything that you encounter. And if you do believe in God, whatever that God might be, it it will shape how you move forward. And this idea in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth it is where we start our narrative. It's what we as followers of Christ believe that that God is the one who created all that we see and set this in motion, put us in his story. And so the recognition that we belong to or are part of a bigger picture affects how we think. It affects our conduct with one another. It affects how we worship, what we believe. It affects our relationships even at work or with other people. And so it starts to shape who we are just by recognizing this narrative and understanding that God is the one who put these things in place. And we start to see even the importance that Scripture plays in our lives. As we read the Scriptures and we believe these things, they start to instruct us as who God is and the things that God cares about. And so we read the Scripture not like we read a textbook to get information, but we read the Scripture as God telling us a story. He's telling us a story of his involvement with mankind and and throughout history, how he shows up and the things he does. And by reading this story, we start to understand a little bit more about the character and the heart of God. And so I want to encourage us 
as a community, as a tribe, as a church, whatever you want to call us, okay? To take the scripture and see the importance of it in your life. To know what God is doing and so read. And read voraciously. Try and go through all of the scripture and encounter God in these things. I can remember when I first started reading the Bible. Like most people, I opened to the beginning. I thought it was just one book. So I started Genesis. For those of you who think it's one book, it's not. 66 different books, but we'll get to that in time. So you open to Genesis and you start reading and it's like, yeah, this is cool. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And you start engaging this and it just kind of is capturing my mind. And then chapter three, there's this train wreck, you know, Adam. And then you get halfway through Genesis and now there's like incest and all this crazy stuff. And I'm thinking, what on earth is going on here? What is with this book? And I love that what it is, is God telling this story. And God is more authentic than anyone here. Even you who say, yeah, I'm really authentic. The Bible is really authentic. It gives all the dirt clarity about what is taking place in the hearts and minds of people. And it's doing so not just to, to be scandalous. It's doing so to be re revelational, to reveal to us what is going on in us and in this relationship with God. And so to understand the story that we're in, read it. Get to know it. Invest some time. You'll, you'll be glad you did because it's a story about God at work in time, space, and in the lives of so many people. And what you start to find out is that so many people who say that they are followers or believers in Jesus Christ are still living their lives kind of outside the story that God has put in place. And so as you start to, to read these things and you start to see the things that God is concerned about and the things that God is wanting to lead us to, and then you see someone who's living outside of those things, but they say they're a follower of God, and you see that, well, really what they're doing is they're living their own story, they're living their own life, and God has his story and the life that he wants. And maybe that's even a challenge for us. Maybe we're some of those people who, yeah, I, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, but we're really living our own story. We're on our own journey, not recognizing that God has a story and a plan for us to journey through. And so we want to read and find these things out. And, and we see at the beginning that God is the one who established these things. He created these things. And throughout the chapter, we see God, we see this kind of poetic uh, banter that's taking place. There was morning, there was evening, there was night, there was the first day and it was good. And over and over again, we see God say it was good. In verse 9, it was good. Verse 12, it was good. Verse 18, it was good. Verse 24, it was good. And verse 31, after man is created in the image of God, it was very good. And in this story that God is telling, we see our race stepping in. That God created man and woman. In his image, he created them. And, and so now there is this 
establishing of importance. You see, the importance that mankind has is that we are created in God's image. There is value because of who God has valued us to be. And being created in His image, we we start to see why there is a, a difference between us and the animals. It's not just because we have a bigger brain. It has more to do with what God has established within us. And he's given us this ability to to actually choose and to to make these choices. We we see that take place throughout the, the book of Genesis when God places Adam and Eve in the garden. He says, you can eat of any tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat of that. And God didn't just give mankind two choices. You can either choose good or bad. He said, you can choose any of these trees. There is a multiple of good things you can do. There is one that you can't do, and that's to choose away from me. To to not regard my word in your life. To not regard me in your life is the other choice. And we know the story. In chapter 3, that takes place. The fall. In chapter 3 of Genesis, verse 1 through 7, we get an account of the fall. And it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat of any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the, to the woman, for God knows that the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. The eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked and sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So this good God creates man and woman in his image places them in the garden and gives them all that they need and he gives them one restriction, do not eat from the tree the knowledge of good and evil. When you eat of it, you will die. And I've heard people, especially people who are you know, trying to say that the Bible isn't true and contradicts themselves, they say, see, they didn't die, they ate of it and they lived to be you know, hundreds of years old, but really something did die. The important thing that harmony with their maker the choice that they made to choose away from god was what led to their own death what what brought them there and and so in this the good god now has a broken creation and in this broken creation we see that the choice that man made is one of the things that god entrusted him with You know, later on, we have Cain and Abel. And you guys know that story where Cain 
offering wasn't accepted, but Abel's was. And so Cain was angry and envious with his brother. And he was holding this in his heart. And God goes to him and he says, why are you angry? What's wrong? Why are you so downcast? If you do what is good, won't you be accepted? But be careful because sin is crouching at the door and it seeks to devour you. But you must master it. We see again God putting before Cain the ability to choose and he chose to kill his brother. And so we see this broken relationship, the fall starts to gain momentum. It starts to escalate it from from just turning away from God to now turning to murder. You know, if I, I can't kill God, I can kill who God loves. I will kill Abel because I'm envious of what happened between he and God and me and God. And it starts to develop. And it's interesting because even people who say, well, I don't believe in God. The fact that they can choose not to believe is actually the whole point of what God instilled in them. Your ability to choose not to believe God is what God gave you at the beginning. It was the whole point. It's part of how he set this story in place with your freedom to choose. Your freedom to make those decisions. But in those decisions, we find out where we are and it starts to shape our journey. But it's still in God's story. And so we have the creation, God creating heavens and earth. It's good. And then we have the fall, man choosing apart from God and it starts to escalate down and it starts to decline. And then we see in this story of God that God steps in again. And what he does is he actually makes a covenant and God makes a covenant with a man named Abraham. And this takes place in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, we see part of that covenant just in the beginning of it, verses 2 and 3. God says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. God says, I am going to choose you, and through you I am going to bless the world. And when he says people who curse you will be cursed, it's they're actually going to be cursed for rejecting God's covenant that he is making with Abraham. Later on in chapter 15, there's this bizarre scene where there is an animal split in two and... That's how they would make a covenant back at that time. They would kill an animal and they would separate it. And then you would walk through that saying, basically, this is the agreement we have. And the death of this animal is showing how serious it is. May what happened to this animal be what happens to us if we break this covenant. And so Abraham is kind of wigging out, falling asleep. And then he sees the smoke go through the covenant. We see that God is the one who initiated the covenant and God is the one who kept the covenant. God's saying that through you, Abraham, I'm going to bring about the change from what happened in the fall. And this is central to the story of God because this is God still in motion, working on behalf of the the creation that he has made, the one that he made that was good, the one that is now broken, the one that is now fallen. God is now stepping in saying, I'm going to make an agreement with this man that I am going to bring 
fulfillment and bless the world through you. And so in that covenant, we have the birth of the nation Israel. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. All people on earth will be blessed through you. God initiates the plan to bring a remedy to the broken condition of the relationship that we have. But we see that the nation of Israel never fulfills that purpose. The the world is never blessed through them. That they're always at war with the other nations. We we see that there is always struggle in themselves to to keep the the commands that God gives because God then gives them a law and instructions. This is how the other nations will see you set apart if you follow these rules, but they can't follow them and they struggle with them. They can't be the blessing that God wants them to be. So God brings the perfect Israelite, Jesus, to fulfill what a nation couldn't do. God becomes flesh. And we see in God's story the plan of redemption. Romans chapter 5 or 6, it says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Powerless. We, we couldn't bring the change the world needed. We were unable to fulfill our part of the covenant. We, we lacked the power, but at the right time, when we were powerless, God died for the ungodly. In John chapter 19, verses 28 and 30, it says, Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that Scripture would be fulfilled. Again, the things that God had been talking about, the the plan of redemption that God had instigated so that it would be fulfilled. Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it and put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. What is finished? This part of redemption plan that God had initiated, that covenant that God had made with Abraham was now completed through the person of Jesus Christ. The requirement for them to fill their part that they never did was fulfilled through Jesus. And so in this story, the good God who gives freedom to his creation, who falls and is broken, who God says, I'm going to make an agreement with you. I'm going to bless the world through you, Abraham, through this nation. The nation couldn't fulfill it, but God still does through the person of Jesus and brings redemption back, buying back. That's what the word redeem means, to buy back humanity. Because God is still good, and God still cares. And then what happens is the image of God that was lost, the image of God that that was given to creation to Adam to Eve that was forfeited when they died and and when things fell was now restored. And there is a a re-image, if you will. 
And we see in John chapter 21, verses 21 through 32, that God begins to do something new, but He's not doing it through the nation of Israel. He's doing it through the offspring, if you will, of His Son, Jesus. And He's doing it in this new humanity, as Paul would call us in Ephesians, the church. And so in John chapter 21, starting at verse 21. Wait. John 21, 20, there's no 32, Matthew 21. Excuse me. Wrong book. Forgive me, I didn't get much sleep last night either. No, um, it is John, but it's not chapter 21. I believe it's chapter 20. Sorry about this. John 20, verse 21. Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sin, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And so in these verses, we see that there is a re-imaging. As Jesus comes, the risen Christ, the the conquering Savior, the one who who met the the requirements for that covenant, the one who who paid the debt that we couldn't pay, steps in and conquers death. And then he goes to those who are followers and he says, peace to you. And he gives them this. I'm sending you as the God has sent me, as my father sent me. Now I am sending you. And, And he's sending them as a representative of himself. And when he says, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven, it's not so much that you can go, hey, your sins are forgiven. Hey, your sins aren't. You're going in his behalf. And so what God has entrusted to Jesus, Jesus is now entrusting to you. By him, all men must be saved. Not by whether you forgive them or not, but what they do with the truth that lies in the Son. And we hold that truth. And now the image of God shows up in a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old has passed away. Behold, all things become new. As he is, so are we in this world. We now bear his image once again to let the world know that there is a good God who cares and loves enough to step into their brokenness and buy them back and redeem them. And so the story of God continues. The good God who gives creation that is good and gives man the ability to choose the, the, the ultimate of his creation, mankind. That we represent God more than anything else. And, and when mankind falls... God steps in to buy them back. He does through the person of Jesus Christ. And then he, through these broken, fragmented people, starts to emerge and show up again 
through His people. And we look forward to the day when things will be completely restored. In Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 5, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and He will dwell with them and they will be His God and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then He said, Write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. And so we see the story of God. He takes us from a, a good creation back to a creation that is new and is good once again. Where there is no more crying. There is no more brokenness. Where, where the fragmented effects of sin no longer hold on to our lives. But we actually get to enjoy the relationship with God. He is our God. We are His people and the restoration of all things. This is the story that we are in. And this is where we find our journey and how we are to move forward and what we are to do and how we are to continue. And as we see these different places, we find ourselves, if you were, in a certain scene. You know, if you have this story being a a play, And you have scene one is the creation, all things are good. And and scene two is the fall where man falls and is broken. And scene three is God stepping in to intervene and to start a covenant that would work its way through. And, And scene four is the fulfillment of that covenant in the person of Jesus Christ. And then scene five is us who are followers of Jesus Christ playing. And then scene six is the culmination of all these things. Well, we find ourselves in scene five, but Scene five isn't completed yet. We're we're waiting for scene six to come. And so how does scene five play through? What does the rest of it look like? And it's not written yet. We're writing it. That's the book of Acts starts going through and saying, here's how it starts to show up. Here's how it starts to look. And it still deals with the broken people and it still deals with the things that we deal with. But imagine if you had one of Shakespeare's writings, but it was incomplete. And you had six scenes, but scene five wasn't quite finished. How would you finish it? How how would you know what to write in scene five? Well, you would take everything you know from the first five scenes or four and a half, because scene five isn't completed, and then what you know from scene six And that would help you to fill in what you're supposed to be doing in scene five. And that's where we find our journey. That's where we find ourselves. See, you you, you don't go to scripture and say, well, how are we supposed to deal with the problems of the Internet? Where is it in the Bible? 
Well, I know from scene one, two, three, four, and part of scene five, this is how God works. This is how God's character is. This is who God is, why scripture is so important, because it helps us understand that I know now how I'm supposed to live in this journey that I'm at to fulfill scene five before scene six comes when he brings us back to the whole thing's new. Everything's brought back again. And now, here we are in the story of God, journeying in one of his scenes, still with the freedom to write our own scene. Are we going to write it in his story? Or are we going to take our lives out of his story and try to live it again in the broken and fallen condition? I've told this story before, but but it's such a powerful story that there was a young man I worked with years ago when I was selling lumber, and I worked with him in the city of industry. And the kid had problems with drugs. He he was uh, just a, a meth addict. And tried to help him out with jobs, but he couldn't keep the job because he couldn't show up all the time. You know, sometimes he'd be showing up and he'd be working like crazy. Man, this guy's intense. That's when he's on drugs. And then the next day, man, he was just non-existent. He's just sleeping. He just can't do a thing. And so they let him go and we'd bring him back. And then he went into a, a teen challenge and he got cleaned up. And he actually was one of their spokespersons, would go around telling other people because his life was such a mess and he got it cleaned up. And he was really... Uh, a good speaker. He was able to communicate well. And so he would go and start telling people about, you know, all these things that God has done in his life. And I remember I hadn't heard from him for years. I'd left the lumber industry and I'd gone and worked at a church and it had probably been 10 years since I'd heard or seen from him. And I remember just one day thinking, I wonder what ever happened to Dwayne. I just thought that, no, I don't know. The next day, actually Colleen shows up and says, Hey, I met someone you know who used to work with him. And it was the guy. And I'm like, what? I just thought about him yesterday. Oh, man, God's, he, you know, he'd like to talk to you. I'd like to talk to him. She said, he's not doing good. He's involved with drugs and, and he's no, he's not in a good place, but he remembers you and he'd like to talk to you. And I'm thinking, this is divine. God has brought him back into my life. We're going to talk. He's going to get his life on track, and then he's going to move forward. And so I meet with him, full of expectation of what God's going to do as God has prepared my mind and heart to speak with him. And he's been on this journey, and so we come and we meet and we start talking. And I'm like saying, how are you doing? He's doing terrible. He's still using drugs. Not only is he using drugs, but he's actually pimping to get money from these girls so that he can get more drugs. And so he's using these women as well as using the drugs. And he's just in a really bad place. And I remember him telling me, you know, I know that if I continue in this way that I'm going to die. I know that I'm going to die if I continue living this lifestyle. And I tell him, that's the good news. You don't have to live that lifestyle anymore. God has brought us together for me to to tell you you don't have to. This is the time to turn. This is, this is your chance. And he says, I know you're right. And I know that's right. But I'm not going to change. 
And then he left. And I was thinking, what the heck? God? You brought him into my mind, I believe, and you brought our lives together, I, I still believe, but he left the same. He left in the same condition. And I was wrestling that through my mind because it really bothered me. And God was telling me, you know, I'm, I'm working in your life as much as I'm working in his. And I didn't know what that meant. I'm not meth head, you know, but what, what are you doing? What's going on? Why would that happen? About a month later, he comes back, talks to me. I'm thinking, oh, change of mind, change of heart. He comes up to me and he says, well, I found out I've actually contracted the AIDS virus. I'm not just HIV positive. I actually have AIDS. And I knew this was going to happen. And I'm going to Colorado to be with my brother, try and get some treatment. And it was almost like he prophesied his own doom. And I think I prayed with him and I got him a bus fare to go to Colorado. But I remember thinking, wow, I guess we still have the ability to write our own story. Even though God has told us and had made things clear, he knew. But you see, the story of your and my life are being written with a pen in our own hand. And the journey that you and I find ourselves on takes place in the story that God is writing. And he's given us all the scenes, even the end. But we're in scene five, writing it out. How are you going to take your journey? Because where your and my journey intersect is at that place of redemption, at the cross. And and where you and I have the opportunity to change our journey and to step into the story of God is there at the cross. And and so this morning we, we have the communion set up because this is our remembering of what God has done. And not only is it our remembering, it's our partaking of what God's done. It's not just something that we do because it's a tradition. It's something we do because it connects us to what God has done and to what God is doing. It connects us to the heart of the story of God. From the very beginning, His purpose was fulfilled and intended for this moment where we could be reunited to Him because of of what Jesus has done and we get to step into his story with the new life that he can give and we get to change the direction of our journey so that we don't have to give in to the doom of life where we don't have to give in to the, the wreckage that we've made or the wreckage that maybe we're making. We can actually meet God here and say, I am going to acknowledge you 
what you have done and I want to live my life in your story. And I want to be the fulfillment of what you are going to do. I want you to, to create me in your image once again and make me your son, your daughter, so that I can be an example of who you are, your grace, your goodness, your long suffering, your mercy to those around me. What you have done to millions of others, you have done to me. And this table is where we get to say it is true. And it's a part of my life. It's not just a ceremony. It is part of my journey. But you see, the beginning of the journey is recognizing the story of God. And that you are in it. How are you going to live in it? Let's pray. Father, I I do pray for all of us here, Lord, that there would be an awakening to the fact that we are living our lives in your story. And yet we still get to write our journey. And Lord, I I pray that there would be a, a moving in our hearts as we start to understand that we were not only created in your image, but given the power to choose how we will live our lives in your story. Lord, some of us here may have been fighting you, living our lives outside of your story or recognition of it, Lord, trying to to make our own choices again and again. And and like Cain, we have have made a decision that was bad. And and maybe like Adam and Eve, we made a decision that actually has caused death to our souls. But we hear your voice, even as you reached Abraham and even as you fulfilled your promise, you're speaking to us. And if you're here this morning and you feel like there is the need to step back into what God is doing. Maybe you've known about God for your whole life. Maybe you've made a commitment to Jesus at some point in your life, but you know you have not been living in the story that God has for your life and you want to dedicate yourself to Him, would you stand with me right now? Just as we get ready to take communion, just stand up and say, I acknowledge I want to be connected to God's story. And if you're here and maybe you've never made that commitment to Jesus, you've never acknowledged Him, but you know your life is broken and you can sense within you that God is calling your name and saying, I I want you to be a part of what I am doing. And the things that I've shared maybe have struck a chord with you or or maybe even the story of Dwayne is a story that parallels yours and, and you know you need to make a change and that change is for Jesus to be your Redeemer.
Would you stand with these who are standing? Lord, I I pray that as we make this stand, Lord, we take that step and make those choices to live our lives in according to what you're doing. And Father, as we partake of the communion elements, it is our declaration, it is our proclamation that what you have done is enough for our brokenness and that it is indeed finished. It is our door to the new life you give. May you give it to all those who are standing here. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you all stand with me? We're going to partake of communion right now. And as Alex leads us in a song, the elements are up here. We have the bread and the bowl with the juice in it. Come and dip the bread into the bowl one time. If you want to go back and partake it together as a family, you can sit at the seats and and pray together. If you want to take it there at the table, you can. But we're going to spend a little time just to be able to reflect on God and His working through these elements to acknowledge what Jesus has done. And we want this moment to be a time where our lives intersect with the living God who has placed us in this story. And as we acknowledge the place and the role that we have, we will take charge of these things and allow them to affect our lives. So as you feel led, come on up to the table. Again, take the bread, dip it one time, and then you can go back to your seats and pray, and we'll conclude together. Partake of it as you want, in the time you want, with your family or friends or by yourself. Father, we do thank you for your blood and your grace. Thank you for your mercy that was demonstrated to us on the cross, And for your not leaving us to our own destruction, Lord, but buying us back. Caring enough to call us back to yourself and to recreate us in your image, Lord. God, I pray that this day would be a moment and a shift in our journey with you. Where we would... Take a step closer, Lord, recognizing who you are, that you are alive at work. We continue to to write the scene that we are in, that our lives would bring clarity to who you are, and you would be honored in us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand together with us? May you recognize the good God who has reached out to you. May you see the story that he is writing and decide to write your journey in his story. And may you be an example to others to the story that God has written and is writing.
for his name's sake. God bless you guys. Have a great day.